Hey guys, most of you know that I'm one of the founders here at the Motherhood Anthology membership along with Jenny and Allison, but I wanted to let you know that I'm also one of the co-owners of Indie Print Co. And at Indie, we say that we're on a mission to revive the art of printing by means of beautifully crafted heirloom albums and fine art prints. Now through February the 7th, Indie is offering our studio sample sale. That means 40% off of heirloom and fine art sample albums and 20% off of our fine art prints and our matted sample albums. You don't need a code, you just need to go on our site and set up an account. So just go to IndiePrintCo.com and click on shop to see all the lovely products that we have there for you. Again, the sale will be offered until February the 7th, so head on over there today and check it out. Shannon Griffin is a friend and photographer who recently had a $38,000 sale. How did she accomplish that? What's her process? You're about to find out as I sit down with Shannon to discuss exactly how she's grown Shannon Griffin Photography to what it is today. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. In today's episode, you'll hear Shannon and I discuss the photography industry, business tools and strategies, and how to cater to and retain a luxury clientele. She walks us through her entire client process from the very first email to her sale of $38,000. For the last 10 years, she's worked hard to create an amazing process that caters to a luxury clientele. So grab a pen and paper or open your notes app on your phone as I present to you episode number two of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Well, thank you so much for being here today. You are my very first podcast guest. And I ask you because you are always so kind and so generous and so quick in our membership to encourage folks and give of your knowledge and wisdom. And you're just one of my favorite people. Well, you see. And, and I, I have to be transparent. I've thought about this and I think this is the way to go. You are so generous that I think we should let our listeners in on the fact that this <laughs> is the second time we're recording your uh, episode. Listen, it gives me another chance to talk to you, so I'm not yeah. upset about it. Thank you so much for um, for doing this again with me. And you know what? I think it's going to be just fine because I think you're like me. You could talk this stuff all day. You love it. Oh my it. gosh, all day. <laughs> all day. For those of you that don't know who you are, what you do, or where you are. Tell us about yourself. Sure. So I am Shannon Griffin. My business is Shannon Griffin Photography, but I just go by my name. I am based in South Florida. I'm right around the Palm Beach area. So about in between Palm Beach and Miami. So I service most of the East Coast of South Florida. And I specialize in boudoir, which I can't stand that word, intimate portraits and family sessions are kind of my bread and butter and what I have niched down. I started in the wedding world, um, but now I'm strictly doing weddings and family, unless it's just a wedding that I can't refuse. Um, that's pretty, pretty much me. Yeah. And tell us about your family and that sweet new baby of yours. (laughs) So I have a 10 month old. It's been very, very interesting. She was not planned. She of course is wanted, um, but not planned. I w- I found out the day after my 38th birthday that I was pregnant with her. I just bought a test thinking it was nothing. I thought I had COVID. It was really funny. I was like, <laughs> I don't feel well. I should have known because I didn't, I didn't want alcohol for like two weeks. Like the smell disgusted <laughs> me. I was like, right. I should have known then. 
So I took a test, found out I was pregnant. I had her in December of last year. I'm about to be 40 in April and I will have a one and a half year old, which is just bananas to me. So it's been, as I know a lot of, a lot of your listeners are going to be moms and understand this. It's been a, it's been a huge adjustment because I loved my career for so long and I was at a place and with my relationship with my now husband, that was very just like, we could get up and do whatever we wanted. My business was thriving and where I wanted it. And then I was like, you know what, at 40 years old, I'm just going to throw a wrench in all of this and just make my life 10 times harder. So that's kind of where I am now. And it's been a beautiful, heartbreaking, the most amazing thing I've ever done. Absolutely. Yeah. The best and the hardest thing you'll ever do. Oh my gosh. Sure. Well, before we dive in, let's talk a little more about that because I know so many of our listeners are, are moms and they're juggling that with a business. So yeah. how, how has that affected your business and how have you adapted to that? It's been, so the stress part has been hard on me. We, we ended up putting her in full-time daycare at seven months starting around three and a half months, I was like, you know, I want to take on clients again. I was editing for a few photographers during pregnancy because I just wasn't really comfortable shooting because it was still COVID and I was pregnant. And I was like, you know, I don't really want to take on a lot of clients. Let me kind of do like, Oh, I had enough money in savings, but I don't know if you're like me, I could be a millionaire and still be like, I don't have, like, I'm just right. so afraid something's going to happen. Not that I need the money. I'm just like, I like having the savings account. So I took some editing work when I came back, I had my mother-in-law helping about three days a week, starting around three and a half, four months. And it just wasn't enough. I, I, I realized that I was not the stay at home mom type, which I kind of already knew before I had her, but I thought that I could swing it. But ha even when my mother-in-law was here, hearing her scream in the background, her breastfeeding every couple of hours on me, it was just, I was like, I need her out of the house. Like I can't, because I know so many mothers feel this way that also run a business or work where they're like, I don't feel like I'm thriving in any part of my life. I feel like I'm either failing my business or I'm failing my child or I'm failing my husband or partner. For me, it was one of those things that it took me months, but I was like, she's got to go to daycare. Like I thought about the nanny and everything, but I was like, I need her physically out of the house for me. It was really a hard adjustment the first couple of weeks. I had some great friends that were like, stick it for a month. It's going to be hard on both of you. She's going to cry every day. And now she's thriving knowing that she's in an environment where she's thriving and I'm back to thriving. I think my business is doing even better because I'm now at a place. I think you and I have talked about this where it's like, I'm not leaving my house for less than a certain amount of money. I am not giving up a Saturday unless you're going to pay me. I am not taking anyone who is not an ideal client. And I can say that because I've gotten where I am. I also know that's privileged. I know people have to take work, but for me, I think that my business is, is getting back to a place where I'm thriving again, which is huge because when I was pregnant, I was so scared. I was like, I'm going to lose my business. I'm going to have this baby now that I have to take care of. How am I going to get clients? When am I going to be able to work? And so it's taken me, she's 10 months. And I feel like I'm finally starting to like come up for air and I'm starting to, it's, it's becoming a, a dance where like, I'm starting to figure out how to do both. And it's still hard. It's still really hard. And like this week has been extremely stressful because as you know, we were out of town all last week for the workshop and right. coming back, I'm just trying to catch up on work and send wall galleries and all this stuff. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's hard, but I know it's all going to work out. I'm trying to stay positive and all of that. Absolutely. I feel you on the working from home thing because I, I try to lock myself mm -hmm. away and 
have help, but, you know, I think it's the mama in us, you know, you can hear every little sound. And Ugh. so you can't and get she, deep, no, deep in thought about anything. Was, <laughs> and she knew I was here. It does. It's, it's triggering. Like when you hear the baby cry, it's like, ah, like I need to be over. Like, again, I felt like I then was failing her unless you're a stay-at-home parent for a while, like there's no way you could ever understand how debilitating that can be. Yeah. And we've talked about mom guilt before. Oh. And um, I think that's a whole episode in itself, but yeah, you feel Sign guilty for working. You feel guilty if you're not working, you feel yeah. guilty if you're shooting weddings, you feel, well, you don't feel guilty if you're not shooting weddings, but that's my guilt. You but know, I, I did feel- for a while. And if I would have had her, absolutely. I would have felt guilt because it's Saturdays and you're gone all day all day. And then you're just by Sunday, you're like, I've been hit by a bus. I don't want to do anything. That's right. Yeah. My husband used to um, make fun of me because I had the wedding, you know what I mean? The wedding hangover on Sunday. He'd say, why are you acting like this? All you do is go to a party and push a button. It does seem that way. It does seem that way, doesn't it? Oh my gosh. You're on all day and you're a therapist and you're a planner and you're, I mean, even the best weddings, you still become that, which is cool too, because your clients trust you and love you enough, but it's like, you wear a lot of hats. It's exhausting. Yeah. Well, that kind of um, opens, uh, that's a good segue into um, your talk today, because we both do come from the wedding world and that does open like the door to your, your talk today, because I know so many people in you know our community and um, me included, you know, thought, I don't know what they call that when you shoot, when you have a job that pays so well that you can never really get out of that loop. What is it? Golden handcuffs or something like that. Ooh, like, see, I haven't heard that. I like that. But that, you know, how can I ever replace that income, not shooting weddings? How could I be, um, you know, how could I shoot anything else and, and replace the income that I make for one day's work? But it's really not one day's work. You know, it's the Oof, recovery it's like day and the editing day and the all yes. the things, but you definitely give everyone hope. So let's talk a little bit about your piece of education inside of our membership is one of my very, very favorites. And you just had a sale of $38,000, which is crazy, incredible. And you talk a lot about your process. And so let's just start talking about that. Like, tell me about that sale. We'll start and in, in reverse engineer. So tell me about the sale and what you know, what was, what did they buy? And then how do you walk your client through the process to even accomplish such a thing? Yeah, sure. So, so this one, I mean, I like using this story because I feel like it has a lot of lessons. So I was in, I was in the wedding world in 2020. I decided I I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was never high volume. Gosh, the most weddings I think I ever had in a year were like 12. I think that was the most. So but I just, I was at a point where I wasn't enjoying them anymore. I'd been photographing them since 2007 and I only had two weddings booked. Um, but even that, when I got to step away during COVID, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I was getting physically ill before weddings, like the week leading up a lot of anxiety. For and sure. it just, what I realized is that I was like, you know, do it's a great paycheck. That's why weddings are so hard to quit. When I was, when I was quitting, I was at like weddings started at like $15,000 for me. So for me, when I would book a wedding, yay. And then when I realized I had to photograph it, I was like, Oh, I have to do this again. So it's so hard mentally to be like, okay, I have this bread and butter and I'm choosing to walk away from it. Like how privileged am I that I can be like, you know, I, I just don't want to do this anymore. I still have so much trouble 
saying, well, not so much trouble, but I still do feel guilt turning down, you know, a a great wedding that's going to pay really well because like my dad, like I talk about him a lot, you know, he's my, he, he was my like biggest cheerleader and I give him like so much credit for anything that I've accomplished just because he made me believe that I could, but he worked at a paper mill. He was a maintenance man at a paper mill, which was a nasty, hot, yeah, you know, dangerous job. And he didn't make that what I make in one day all month. And so when I say no to going to a party, quote, quote, and pushing a button, I feel incredibly guilty about that. So now that I've had a baby, I I feel like, okay, logically I can put myself there, but now, especially since I physically really have a baby, the way that I like to think about that is think about how much you love your children. And if you did work a job like your dad worked, and then your child was able to say, I'm turning this down because it doesn't feed my soul. Do you think that you would be like, you privileged little brat, or do you think you would be like, that's why I worked so hard so that my children could have a life that I maybe didn't get to have? Because I know for me, I want her to have the world. Sky is the limit, whatever you want to do, if it makes you happy. I hope you don't have to work as hard as we had to work. Like I've been working since I was 16. My first job was Winn-Dixie. I was a cheerleader. I was gone from 6 a.m. to school, had cheerleading practice competitions. And then on weekends, I was at Winn-Dixie from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. every single Saturday and Sunday. Like I didn't have a life. I hope that Maeve doesn't have to do that. And if I can give that to her and have her have that kind of life, I want her to have that. So I think it's hard because we feel like we're being selfish or we're like, oh, my, my parents had to work so hard. But how cool is that? Like how cool that you get to go, this doesn't feed me. I'm walking away from this. That's why I'm so excited to work now and live in a time where like women can own businesses and we can provide for our families and we can go, look, child, I am not only providing for you, but I get to wake up every day and love what I do. So your dad, I'm sure you are exactly where your dad would want you to be and be very proud of it. You should hear that. Yeah, of course. So I ended up uh, taking weddings off of my website and, you know, I was scared because I'm a business person and it's taken me a long time to say that because I've always been a photographer and I've had to teach myself business, but I was like, I cannot quit weddings until I've supplemented with family and boudoir. But finally I was like, I have nothing to lose. Like I have no wedding inquiries coming in. It's COVID. I don't know if I'm going to have to get like a nine to five. I have no idea what's going to happen. So at this point, why the hell not? Like, what do I have to lose? I also decided to just raise my prices. Like my session fee, I was just like, which I call commission fee. I just raised by a thousand dollars. I was like, I'm just doing it. Like literally, what do I have to lose? This is the time fear get out of the way. I'm not scared anymore because there's nothing to be scared of at this point. About two weeks after I took weddings off of my website, which is super scary. And I raised my prices. I got an inquiry from the one that ended up having the huge sale. So a big lesson here was she was a referral from another photographer who charges $2,000 for all digitals included, which you and I've had, like, that's a great price. And a lot of people like don't even charge right. that. So, you know, but she came to me and, and I have a drop down on my um, questionnaire, which we could talk about, but it, there's a section that asks, what's your investment level? And I have a starting and it goes all the way up. So she had selected that she was comfortable spending between like three and 5,000. And we talked on the phone and she's like, you know, Shannon, I'm comfortable around like 4,500, five. And for me, I'm like, that's a great sale. Happy with it. Wonderful. Um, I'll be able to pay my mortgage for the month. The big lesson here is when I did the process with her, 
she had told me a number, but when she told me what she wanted, I was like, we're talking two different languages here. So I could have stayed in that realm of, okay, well, when we do the IPS, the in-person sales, when I create custom wall art for her, when I'm thinking about a la carte options, mentally, I could stay in that 4,500 because that's what she told me. And I know as I know as business owners, we get in our own mind, we're really like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to make her mad. Like if she told me 4,500 and I show her something that's 15,000, is she going to be mad at me? Because now I've gone above her budget. But what I started to realize and why I enjoy sales now is because I realize that I'm not selling to them. I am providing a, a service for their needs. They're telling me like, you have to think about, she's not a photographer she doesn't know how to put things on her walls or where art should go or what sizes she needs. How could she know that her budget's $4,500? That is an arbitrary number that she pulled from the sky. So my thing is maybe someone's telling you that because that's what they paid for another photographer. Maybe someone's telling you that because they're like, well, that sounds like a good number. I see that that's the lowest number on her dropdown. I'm just going to select that one. If I would have stayed in my head, I could have had a $4,500 sale, 5,000, maybe pushed it a little bit, which again, would have been a great sale. But because I actually took her through this process and really got to know her and looked at the walls in her home and continued to ask her questions, what about your in-laws? What about who else needs stuff, you know, art hung in their house? What about, you know, the holidays are coming up. I see that you've got enough matted prints for you. Should we add some more for the grandparents? And you know, just taking it to that next level. And again, it's, you're not being salesy and you're not trying to be like, well, here, you told me 5,500, I'm going to push you. It's really being like, this is what you need. I'm going to hold your hand through this. What you're telling me is very different from the investment. And now I'm going to show you what you need. So I, I did the family session of her and her kids in Miami beach where she lives. It was an hour session. It was great, easy, beautiful, loved it. So after I did her in-person sales session, I, I, I spent probably three solid days creating wall art for her. She wanted wall galleries for two walls in her in-laws house. And then she wanted a couple of rooms in her, in her home. And then I also was like, Hey, what about your, like, what about your bathroom? Would you ever do like a metal print in there of just you? She's like, Oh, maybe. So like me being the artist saying, let's push a little bit and think of something different. I was showing her the walls and she's like, yep, love it. I was like, okay, adding that to the invoice. And she's like, okay, love it. I'm like adding that. And, you know, I talk about it all the time where I, I, I do my, my sales sessions over Zoom. So I have her in one screen on my computer and I have the invoice in another. So I'm not sharing my invoice with her, but I'm sitting there and she's looking at me, talking to me and I'm looking at the invoice and I'm like, I have to say 30, $38,583. Like I'm probably a solid 10 minutes. I'm going, do I say thousand? Do I say dollars? Like, I'm so overthinking it in my head. I'm like, and in my mind, me being, I'm like, do I discount it? Do I throw things in for free? She's going to, this is way, she told me $4,500. There's no way she's going to spend 30 on top of the 1450 that she paid for my commission fee. Like no way. And I told her and she's like, okay. And she actually, I don't think I'd talk about this, but she added on a couple, like not much, but like a couple of photos, like after the call, I thought she was calling me to be like, cancel the order. I've changed my mind. Like I was sweating for a solid, like 20 until it cleared my bank account. I was like, I'm not celebrating. Like, of course I told my husband, but like, I'm, and then she ended up like texting me the next day and I didn't even want to look at it. I'm like, she's canceling. And she's like, Hey, the, you know, that one photo, can we go ahead and add another map print? And I'm like, absolutely. I'll send the invoice over. So 
you know, I tell the story where my husband was working from home, came into the, my office slash dining room. And I was just like, I can quit weddings. And we both cried because I wanted to get out of weddings. And that just solidified that I can make, absolutely make a living off of family and boudoir and make more than I make photographing weddings. Isn't that crazy? Like I learned that lesson a long time ago that money is relative and yes, I can't afford me, but you know, what I think is super expensive. Some people don't think is expensive yep. at all. Yep. And you know, so often we shoot ourselves in the foot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There's, and money comes and money goes and it's, you know, it's taken me, I didn't grow up with money and it's taken me a lot, a, a lot of changing my whole process and stuff. I say that I changed everything overnight, but I still, even after that sale, I had, I mean, let me tell you something after having a sale like that, you want to, and I talk about people talk to other photographers who have these huge sales. You want to talk about imposter syndrome. I'm like, no one else is ever going to spend money with me. This is a joke. She's going to get the photos and be like, what the hell did I do? Like, why did I spend so much money? She's not that good. We tell ourselves these lies. And I had to work so hard on my mindset and having an abundance mindset. Like, of course, if we're, if we're doing the ordering session, like Shannon, you know, I told you it was five. We really need to stick with that number. I'm like, okay, great. Let's see how we can get it down for you. Like, I'm not going to try to push them, but I am going to present and say, this is what you told me you wanted. It is my duty to provide that for you. And then you can decide whether or not you want it. Instead of saying, you told me this, I'm just going to listen to what you said, provide that, and then leave stuff on the table. It's not always the wealthy that spend money. And I know nope. people will assume you're in a luxury market and they could never have a sale like this, but it's been my experience that it's not always the wealthy. And in, in, in my market, which I'm sure is different than yours, the wealthy don't always value photography. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in Alabama and I've even had a client like old, old I call them old money client. Yep, you know, we have those yeah, here too. <laughs> um, who they, you know, they'll pay thousands of dollars for a painting or right. You know, they don't not, view it as art. It's, right. It's just photos in their mind. But then you have the, the person and this is the client that I am, you know, I'm not wealthy but I have, I know what I like. And if, yep. if there's something that I love, I will save for it. I will yep, plan you value for it. it. I'll do without, I'll like, okay, what do I need to cut over here so Same. that I can do this over here? Because this yep. is, is so special to me. Don't judge a book by its cover. Yep. As, as far as like what you think a client will spend. $38,000 is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But when you have clients that are building expensive homes and they have designers that are helping them furnish homes. I mean, they're spending, mm -hmm. you know, they're spending $10,000 on a sofa, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah, easily. And you think like if their house caught on fire, they could care less about the sofa, but you, yep. you've provided framed heirloom art and they're going to try to get that out of the home. Like that's irreplaceable. I mean, if you sit down and make a list of the things that you have in your possessions that will increase in value and decrease in value. And it's, it's, I mean, you could probably count it on two hands. And the and, value that you can't, you can't put a price on, right, honestly. Right. And that's, <laughs> I mean, family portraits, like that's one thing that's just like, yeah, you know, I don't want to keep referencing speaking at the workshop and stuff, but I had someone and I had this mindset too. And she asked me, she's like, you know, I have this thing where I feel like if, I work with people who have a lot of money. They're not going to be my ideal clients and I'm not going to have anything in common with, with them and stuff. But what you have to think about, especially if you're niching, there is a sector of the wealthy market 
who are also amazing people and who also value art and value what you do. Those are my clients. They're not just people with money. They are people who are like, I love what you do. I fully trust you, whatever you charge. I'm not going to ask for discounts. Like, please come photograph. Because that's what I told her too. I was like, these people also love their families. Like, you got to think about that too. Like there are people who are are very wealthy who, who also love their families and want photos. But the other thing is, is my process, like you don't have to work with luxury clients, a big part of my, like I do a big sector. Like I do have some people that, that save and come to me, do not get me wrong, but I'm very honest in saying that I do have a lot of wealthy clients and you and I have talked about this. I have also clients that have driven from small towns to work with me because the people in those towns are not doing what I'm doing. So when you talk about people are like, well, you live in a wealthy County. Yes, I do. But guess what? There are people in every part of this country that want something different and magical and they want to put photos in their house and they will find it. So if you don't want to provide that, they will find it somewhere else. The way that I structure my whole process and the way that I set up my pricing with having the commission fee be higher than most people have for their session fees you could do that and then make your products super cheap. We're now putting the value on me as an artist and that you're not going to have anything to print on that piece of paper if I don't do this shoot for you. So I only have so many shoots that I can do a year, a month, a week, a day. So you have to pay me for that time and you have to value what I do. And that's where I think so many people you know, we, we all learn from other photographers and I tell people get out of the photography world. I was able to change my whole process and doing a commission fee because I talked to somebody, another creative that is actually a stationer. And they're like, why don't you charge more for your time? And you know, for your, what you're creating than you do on the back end. And I was like, God, that it took me because it, it, IPS and in-person sales didn't feel right to me for so long. And I couldn't figure out why I was like, I'm showing up to these sessions for $300 and it's so much work and I'm designing these wall galleries for them. And it's taking me days to do this work and they're getting my vision. Like they're getting my, like, this is me, Shannon Griffin. There's only one of me and I'm putting my heart and soul on this and they're paying me $300. And in doing that, you're setting yourself up as the authority, you know, and I think so many times, like we're not confident enough to show up and say, this is what I think you should do. This is Mm -hmm. what I suggest. You know, we show up wanting to serve and, and you know, what, what would you like? What would you like for me to do? How would you like? How much better are you in service? If you, if you're like, okay, great. Now let me hold your hand and tell you based on what you need, say that you want, I'm going to provide that for you. Like if I don't charge enough, I can't give them the level of artistry because I don't have time to spend with each client. If I have to take more volume, I am not the photographer that I want to be. I am burnt out. I am resentful. And I'm sorry, I don't have time to like plan vision boards for you. I'm just going to show up. You wear whatever you're wearing. I'm just going to hand you the digitals and you figure out what to do with them. Like to me, that is not why I got into this. And that is a disservice to me. I would rather do everything that they've asked of me beyond and then say, now that I've given you these options, what do you want to do with them? Right. Yeah. And so often we get in the rut of thinking we have to do what everyone else does. Our process Mm -hmm. needs to be what everyone else is. It needs to look like everyone else's. And when you charge what everyone else charges, and that's a surefire way to not stand out and to only be chosen based on price 
And Jenny says, you know, I would rather compete with the one or two others in my market that are high end yep. and the 50 or 60 that are about the same. Wouldn't you rather be the most expensive in town than be like in that middle? Because at least then people are like, okay, there's gotta be a reason. And of course you and I've talked about this, like you need to back it up. Like don't just raise your prices and be like, well, it's because I want to make this much. No, you better back it up and be really good at what you do. And you don't swindle people. But once you get to that level and can provide that service, I'd rather be the most expensive so that those people are coming to me and valuing what I do. I don't want to be the middle ground. And I sure as heck don't want to be the most least expensive because those kind of clients, mm -mm. like if you're just coming for price, oh, I've been there. Like, oh God, it's so bad. Right. So I think the, um, I've heard you say that, you know, the difference besides your, your work is beautiful, but that you have an experience that you provide for your clients that is above and beyond what they can get. And so if, if you don't mind, would you just kind of walk us through that? Like yeah. um, email to yes. tell, tell us about your process. So uh, what's perfect is that it's like perfect timing to talk to you because yesterday, you know, I've had this stressful week and I was like, I have to sit down and get this wall gallery figured out. So I'm going to use this family as an example. So I have someone, um, at my, at my price level, full honesty, most of the people that hire me are going to be warm leads. It's not going to be, I've had like one person off of Google that's been, that I just did her VR session a couple weeks ago, dream client, but that's rare. Cause usually people are just like, just searching for a photographer. I'm not going to be the least expensive. So this is someone who actually used to work at a restaurant with when I lived down in South Florida the first time. So she, I did not know had been following me on social media for 12 years since I worked with her and she reached out to me and she had a one-year-old and she's like, I just, you posted this beach session. I'm obsessed with it. I can't stand myself in photos. I've gained a lot of weight since having my baby. I've worked with a couple of photographers. It's always cheesy. It's always posed. That is not how my family is. We don't like having our photo taken. We want the magic. She filled out my inquiry form, um, which I always talk about, have a red flag question on there. So what I mean by that is have something on there that you're going to know right away. Like this is my client or this is not my client. And without fail, my red flag question has worked 100% of the time. So mine is on a drop down. It's the last question. It says, what's your intention of working together? And I have a thing where they can either choose. I want a quick session with a few prints or I want to create art together. So right off the bat, if they choose, I want a quick session. I let them down very kindly in an email and just, you know, I say the nice thing first, I do the nice sandwich. I say the nice thing first, I comment on something personal they said in the, in the inquiry form. And I just let them know. I'm saying, you know, full honesty, I don't think we're going to be a good fit because you selected this. And I want you to know, this is what my process looks like. And then I send them my process page and I do give them a chance to come back at the end. I say, if this maybe is an experience that you didn't know that you wanted, but you now looks amazing to you. Let me know and we'll move forward with the next steps. Realist, that's the other thing. Like, yes, most of my clients are luxury. Someone could come to me for a couple of thousand dollars. Like it is definitely doable, but most people want more stuff. So she had selected that. And she also, I have a question on the questionnaire that says who's making the hiring decision. So I just need to know who's writing the check because they have to be on the call, the discovery call. So that's how I get away from the dads that just show up from the ordering session or like, this is so much money because I know that I'm priced higher than a lot of photographers that they have probably researched or worked for in the past. So I need to also make the emotional connection with whoever is paying that paying for the bill. I got her and her husband on the phone 
she had selected that she wanted an album and that she wanted wall art. So right off the bat, knowing my pricing front to back, I knew she was going to be closer to like the $15,000 range. So that's a big jump. I don't want someone to fall in love with their photos and then be sad that they can't buy more photos. So I got them on the phone. We, we did, we went over all the questions that were in the questionnaire, which have some pretty deep questions um, about them, their family. I get them to talk about each other. I make it kind of, you know, loving where she filled things out about her husband, but he didn't fill out the questionnaire. So since I had them on the phone, I was like, tell me about your wife. Like, what do you love about her? And like, put him on the spot. Like, I love that <laughs> stuff. And she's sitting there crying. Cause like, he's saying things that maybe he hasn't said to her in a while. I'm like, what do you love about your daughter? Like, what do you love about the way your wife like takes care of your daughter? Like, tell me, cause you're starting to now bring, and I'm not placating my clients. I'm not pl- like, don't get me wrong. I'm doing this because I love this. I'm a highly emotional person and I love connecting with my clients. So I'm talking to them and then I get to the money. It took me years to be comfortable talking about money. Now it's one of my favorite things. And I was like, okay, listen, guys. So you had selected this, yet you're telling me you want wall art. You want a big photo of your family, very artistic. Then you want an album. I was like, my album started at 7,000. My wall art starts at 1,100. Like we're looking more in the 10,000, 15,000. Like, are you okay with that? And she was like, I really want this. Like we've talked about it like, this is really important to us. I'm like, listen, I'm going to send you my full pricing when we get off the phone. I don't do that with everybody. I know you guys are confident. Like I'm going to send it to you. I want you guys to talk it over. Let me know if you want to move forward. And then the next day she's like, yeah, we want to do it. So that's kind of my process, hearing them out and then taking them where they need to go based off of what they told me, not based off of the money that they've told me. And I love that you're not just handing them a a price guide and saying, I offer these three collections, which one would you like? You're um, actually creating a custom experience and, and custom art based on their home and their images and you know, I, I love that because that doesn't cap, you know, when you have three, no. co- three collections, um, nope. that puts a cap on your sale a little bit. My ideal clients do, they want something that's very exclusive. They don't want what everybody else gets. They want me to come into their home and be like, let me create for you. So that when you ha- host a dinner party and friends come over, they're going, oh my God, that's, a, that's you. Like, that's absolutely incredible. That's my ideal clientele. And I know that's not for everybody. But, you know, have questions that you ask, have questions that's, you know, I I ask, like, do you collect art? Where's your favorite place to travel? Like, because these things are important to me and what may be important to you could be completely different, but that's how you're going to get your ideal client is really getting on that level with them and and getting in their head and being like, okay, well, I value this. Do you value this? And questions plant those seeds. Like when you ask about art you're planting the seeds that maybe they haven't thought of before. So 100% agree with you on that. I am creating for each individual client based off what inspires them. So it's a balance. Okay. So there are people listening now that are hearing these numbers and they know that they need to raise their prices. Mm -hmm. Tell me what's your advice for them. To figure out your cost of doing business first and foremost if you're looking at other photographers and being like, well, you know, they make good money and they have a lot of clients. I kind of would want to be around that range. You're shooting yourself in the foot. So price yourself where you want to be two years from now. So sit down when you're doing your cost of doing business, do the regular things, figure out mortgage, figure out all that. But for me, when I was sitting down, I was like, you know, I would love to be in a bigger home in two years. I love this house bed really. So what would that look like? 
okay, I know that I want to fully fund my Roth every year, my IRA, like want to want to do it. I know I want this much cushion in my savings account. God forbid COVID hits again and something happens. I want this amount for my daughter, whatever it is. I think we get so stuck in like, these are our costs. These are our costs. And we don't dream bigger than that. Like I want a travel fund. I want, and I don't think there's anything selfish or wrong with saying that you want those things out of life. Like, why did you start a business? Because you want to be selfish because you want to create your own dream in your own world to sit down and really figure out, okay, two years from now, what does that look like? Are you planning a family? How much is it going to cost to get a nanny? All of these things and stick with it. That's the thing is I've, I've mentored people before that are like, well, I ran my numbers, but it was still too much. So I discount. And I'm like, what? Like you literally are looking at a sheet that says you have to make this much. If you want to take this many sessions. And what you're saying is you are then saying, you know what, I'm going to discount that. And I really stand by what keeps me from discounting. Not only is it not fair to other clients, but I am literally taking money out of my family's pocket every time I discount. Why would I do that? Right. So tell me this, because I, I know that we hear this question inside of the TMA community. I raise my prices and I'm not getting calls or I'm not getting booked. Yeah, of course. So of course. talk about that just a little bit. So it's what I learned in a group that's so true is it's called the 18 month rule. So just to say, if you're going to like drastically change your prices, you do have to have thick skin because you're going to have a whole new client base. You're not going to have the same clients most of the time. You're going to have to pull from different areas. You're going to have to network. You're going to have to market. It's a whole, like, you're going to have to show your face at places and really meet people because my clients are all word of mouth and like meeting them at an event. So I have to put a lot of legwork into that, but that's a big part of it is that it, yes, I had that client, but then I would, you know, it was probably a um, couple months before I booked another one because at my price level, it, I don't want a lot of clients. So it's doing what it's supposed to do. It weeds out like 99% of the people, but it's hard. It's hard when you're watching the money go down in your bank account. But luckily the way that I'm set up is when I do have a sale, it's going to carry me for a couple of months. So I'm set up in a way that when it does get a little bit dicey, I'm okay for a little while. I think another area that people really, really have a hard time with this is because they don't raise their prices enough. If you're sitting there like, I raised my prices and it's like 500 bucks, you are still at that level where you're probably going to keep your same client base because they're like, you know what, that is a lot, but I'll I love working with you every year. I'll find that $500, but you're still not attracting the clients that you want to be attracting. So there's like, you don't want to be in that middle gray area. So my big thing is, is if you're going to do it, do it, sit down, figure out your cost of business and really raise your prices because you're, you want that whole new client base and you don't want to be slowly crawling out of it. Think of the client base you want two years from now and work toward that. It's going to take time. Anytime that you change your business, you are planting seeds and you got to think about any kind of tree. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of work. So I say raise them drastically and then put your butt into the game and really, really work on getting your ideal clients. That's good advice. So tell me, I have one last question for you. Yes. How do you define success? Happiness. Definitely making sure my, my daughter's always happy. I'm happy. I want her to see that. It's a big deal. You know, battling depression and anxiety my whole life. Now having a daughter who's counting on me and looking up to me. And luckily I've now have a business running to where I can say I'm happy. I'm happy to wake up every day and do what I do because I have dream clients who fully trust and believe in me. I'm happy. So awesome. 
I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this twice with of me. Of course. We'll tell everybody how they can connect with you. If it's just my name. It's super easy. If you go to my website, I have an inquiry form. If you ever want to reach out, it's just shannongriffin.com. And then I'm on Instagram as shannongriffin. Just trying to keep it really easy. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, friend. I love you. You're so welcome. I love you. Words cannot express how grateful I am for Shannon and other people like her who share so generously and freely exactly what has and has not worked for them in their careers. Shannon is such a gem to our community, and I hope you appreciate the valuable information she shared with us today. Speaking of the Motherhood Anthology community, our membership will open November the 4th and remain open until November the 11th. In our membership, you'll have access to educators like Shannon, an archive of the last four years of educational materials, tutorials and templates to consume and utilize, and all the support you need to scale your photography business. Membership is only $45 a month with no contract or commitment required. So if you try for one month and decide it's not for you, no problem. You can simply hop out. For more information, you can head over to themotherhoodanthology.com. If you'd like to connect with us, we'd love to see you over at Facebook or Instagram at The Motherhood Anthology and at themotherhoodanthology.com. Nora Roberts stated, if you don't go after what you want, you'll never have it. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you don't step forward, you're always in the same place. Thank you for joining me and Shannon today. And from Ireland to yours, until next time, friends.